Welcome in to Ohio vs. the World, an exclusive Ohio sports podcast where I discuss the Buckeyes, Browns, Cavaliers, Indians, Blue Jackets, Crew, Bengals, Reds, and more. I'm your host, Jacob Wilson, and today I have a pretty solid podcast laid out for you. Uh, first, I'm just going to run down through everything that has happened in Ohio sports since my last podcast. That was uh, Thursday night with Steven. Um, then we'll talk about the Browns, Bengals, Bearcats. Um, then we're going to talk about the Cavaliers and how they are 0-6 and how Ty Lue was fired this morning. And then finally, I'm going to talk a little bit about Columbus sports, um, professional sports, that is. Obviously, Ohio State football is off this weekend, so I'll discuss a little bit about the Blue Jackets and the crew, some exciting news there for sure. Um, so yes, yeah, so let's start this podcast off. Um, first, I'm just going to do a rundown of pretty much everything that has happened since my last podcast. My last pod- podcast was Thursday night. Uh, since then, let me just go off the top of my head here. The Blue Jackets have played two games. They won both of them. Um, the crew have played a game. They won today, and they clinched a playoff spot. We'll obviously get into that later. Um, the Cavaliers lost both of their games since last time we talked, and so now they are sitting at 0-6. And then the Browns lost today, the Bengals won today, and so did the Cincinnati Bearcats football team. They won yesterday. So we'll jump into all that, uh, starting with now with the Browns, Bengals, and Bearcats uh, game recaps. So the Browns had themselves a game today. They played the Steelers in what was a game that I myself admitted pretty pretty early on that I was not feeling good about this game. Anytime the Browns go to Heinz Field, it is a very difficult task for them. They always struggle there. Um... And they just can seem to never find the pull out a win there. I even mentioned in my last podcast how uh, back-to-back years going to Heinz Field, they lost the last two years in games that didn't even matter. There were games that were played on the final weekend of the season, and both times the Steelers were playing backups, and still the Browns lost to the Steelers in Heinz Field. So the Browns have a long history, at least their last 20 years or so, when they've uh, become a new franchise of losing in Heinz Field and just losing to the Steelers and divisional opponents in general, and just losing in general, of course. But yeah, they lost today. Um, Some of the highlights were the offensive line was pretty bad for Baker Mayfield. Um, The Browns could not finish drives with touchdowns, and the kicker was still pretty bad today. Even though the defense gave up 33 points, they really weren't that bad. Um, You just had to watch the game. I guess it's one of those things where you just got to watch the game to really realize that and notice that. But the defense wasn't bad. They gave up some late scores when the game was over, and a lot of it came off of just bad field position and a lot of other unfortunate things and the offense um was pretty awful today mostly due to the offensive line so yeah the first point I got here is just the Browns have to learn to finish drives with touchdowns so we started the game this is one thing I noticed at the end of the first half the Browns had three really good drives and the Steelers only had two really good drives but the Steelers made 14 points out of those two drives and the Browns only had six points out of those three drives um, all three of them resulted in field goal attempts and two of them were made and one of them was missed. I mean, for the Browns, you just got to finish those drives off. They It was the first three out of their first four drives were all really solid drives. They marched down the field. And then once it got to about the 20, 30-yard line or so of the opposing team, the Steelers, they just stalled out. This is a thing we've seen a lot this year. They, it's been tough for them to finish drives. We've also seen this with Ohio State football, if you're a fan of them as well. They just are not able to finish drives. And if when you're a team like the Browns and you're not that great, Obviously, yet we're hoping they're going to get better and hoping that they're going to keep improving. But when you're not that good now and you get these rare drives where you have really good drives, you've got to finish them off and you've got to get points out of them. Um, so, yeah, six points out of three drives in the opposing fields. Three really good drives and only six points out of them is just not good enough. Um, the first drive they marched down and they kicked a, a pretty easy field goal for Greg Joseph. The second good drive they had, uh, Greg Joseph squeaked in a field goal 
And on the third drive, I believe it was like a 42-yard or so, and he missed the field goal. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's another thing I wanted to get into a little bit with Greg Joseph. I believe that's his name. He hasn't been here long, so excuse me if I'm wrong, but he's been pretty abysmal. Um, I said from the start when he missed that, when he made the game-winning field goal against the Ravens, I actually thought he should be cut just because of how bad that field goal was. Yes, he made the game-winning field goal, and that's exciting, and he was a hero for the day and everything, but it was a 37-yard field goal that barely went through the uprights. He kind of knuckled it in. And even if it was, I don't think it was deflected. I think we've gone through extensive research there to see that that wasn't deflected. But yeah, I just said from the start, um, he had a rough rough game against the Jets. It was his first game in. Yes, he made all the kicks in that Jets games, but all the kicks looked shaky. And then against the Ravens, he missed an extra point. And then that game-winning field goal was pretty shaky. At that point, I was hoping they'd cut him and bring someone else in, but they didn't. And uh, obviously, it didn't probably cost him the game today, but... They caught up a little bit with him. If you you got to make the kicks that you have. A 42-yarder and the NFL has to go in. And he shanked it. And then he had an extra point that, oh man, it was just abysmal. Extra point was shanked to the left right off his foot. You just can't have that. I mean, that wasn't just it wasn't just like a little bit of a slice that just barely missed. I mean, he just shanked an extra point. Those should be pretty much automatic. I know the extra point has moved back to the 15-yard line. So now it's a 32-yard two yard field goal or extra point if you want to call it that. Uh, and that's makes it a little bit harder. Obviously, it's not automatic anymore, but you still be making those 98, 99% of the time. And when you do miss, you shouldn't be shanking it off your foot. So, um, I think Greg Joseph should probably be cut. But at the same time, I guess who are you going to bring in? But yeah, I mean, he's not doing the job. It doesn't really matter at this point because the Browns aren't doing anything. That's another thing. I guess we can just kind of leads me into my next point. That that pretty much does it for the Browns. They're two five and one now. Obviously, last week's loss to Tampa Bay kind of felt like it did it for the Browns, but you just never knew because they were coming in playing a Steelers team that was um, is now leading the division, I believe. So if you could get a win in Heinz Field, then maybe the playoff hopes were rejuvenated. But no, they lost today, and I would say their playoff hopes are pretty much done. So I'd say that d- does it for the Browns. Obviously, we're still going to enjoy watching Browns football if you're a Browns fan. I'm uh, not a Bengals fan listening to this highest sports podcast, but if you are a Browns fan, we're still going to enjoy watching our team. We've suffered through many seasons where they've been not even competitive. At least this year they're pretty competitive, but we'll still watching this we'll still enjoy watching this team, but it looks like for the time being our hopes of them arriving a little bit early to the playoff scene will not occur this year. Hopefully they figure things out and next year can be good. But yeah, I think that that'll do it for this year. Pretty much time to pack it in and maybe even tank a little bit. But my final point on the Browns is it's been time for Hugh Jackson to go for a long time. I think he should have been fired after the first year where he went one and fifteen. Yeah, the talent wasn't great, but you still can't go 1-15. And then, obviously, you go from 1-15 to 0-16 and somehow are still not fired. At that point, it was just absurd that he wasn't fired. And now it's really time for Hugh to go. Obviously, I thought it's been time for Hugh to go for a long, long time. But if you're not on the Hugh Jackson being fired train at this point, I just don't understand what you're doing. No offense to you, but, I mean, the guy is 3-36-1 in his NFL career not his NFL career, as his head coaching career at the Browns at least, and it's just not good enough. You can't be, I don't care what the talent is, I don't care what it is, if you're 336-1, and one, you got to go. It's time for Hugh Jackson to go. Um, who his replacement should be, I really don't know. But uh, I guess that leads me to Todd Haley a little bit too, because a lot of people a few weeks ago wanted Todd Haley to be Hugh Jackson's replacement, and they wanted Hugh Jackson to be fired, but now a lot of people want Todd Haley to be fired too, because some of the offensive play calling has not been great for the Browns. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Um, it's 8.42 p.m. here on Sunday night in Columbus, Ohio, where I'm recording this, and Hugh Jackson has not been fired at this point. There's been a lot of speculation that if he lost today, he would be fired, and 
There's a lot of speculation that Todd Haley might be fired here in the upcoming days. Obviously, Hugh Jackson threatened to take over offensive play calling duties after last week's uh, loss to Tampa Bay. So we'll see where all that goes. I guess the one thing that we do know for sure is Greg Williams doing a pretty solid job with this defense, and I think his job is pretty safe. But John Dorsey, I know you're not listening to this, but hopefully you do the right thing and at some point fire Hugh Jackson. And the final thing I wanted to really talk about with the Browns, I don't even have this in my show notes, but I guess I'll dive a little bit into it. Obviously, they'll never do this, but it's kind of just like a little bit of a hypothetical or something I just kind of think about is it'd be kind of interesting to see them if they pulled Baker Mayfield just because at this point, this offensive line is just not not getting the job done. Baker Mayfield is getting hit. He's getting sacked probably three or four times a game, but he's getting hit like 10, 15 times a game, getting hurried almost every single play. And the last thing you want is another Tim Couch situation. Tim Couch obviously came in in 99, was the first overall pick. He was a really, really good quarterback. And even played pretty well for the Browns the first two two or three years, but he just took so many hits in those first two or three years because the offensive line just wasn't there. And it, it kind of destroyed his mental game. It kind of destroyed his mental state in general, and it kind of scared him. And I think Baker Mayfield is a very good quarterback, and I think as long as nothing crazy happens and he doesn't suffer any injuries or suffer, like I said with Tim Couch, that kind of just mental toll that it takes getting hit that much and being scared of every play, dropping back, being you know not focused on looking for your receivers and be more focused on am I about to get hit by a 300-pound defensive lineman. So, I mean, obviously they're not going to sit him because of ticket sales and just because he's the better quarterback in terms of Tyra Taylor. And this is the team that wants to win now. But it would be interesting um, to see them sit him to kind of save him. But obviously they're not going to do that. But it's just something I wanted to throw out there. Um, so now the Bengals, They, uh, I guess one of my main takeaways is the Bengals win obviously 37-34 to at home against the Buccaneers. I want to go through the score sheet here for a second. Yes, yeah, Cincinnati was up, it looks like at halftime, 27-9. to And then at the end of the third quarter, they would have been up, quick math, 34-16. Uh, to So they're up 34-16 going in the fourth quarter, and they nearly blew this game. It got tied 34-34 with about a minute left. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick actually came into the game after Jameis Winston threw three, four interceptions. He got benched. Fitzmagic came back in, and he was magical. He did well. Uh, he led the Buccaneers team back, tied it at 34-34, but they left too much time on for the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals got the ball back, I believe, with a minute and five seconds. This was the only part of the game I actually watched because it was on the same time as the Browns, and when the Browns ended, it kind of went to the Buccaneers with about two minutes left. And So I watched that much of it. Uh, sorry to the Bengals fans out there listening, but I watched that much about, about that much of it. So the Bengals get the ball back with a minute and five seconds. Um, they have two timeouts, and that was enough time for them. They got a few big plays. Andy Dalton sling a, sling a few to uh, A.J. Green. They got down to about, I want to say the 27 or so yard line. So it was about a uh, 44, 45-yard field goal, and it was a good kick. He put it right through the middle pretty much. I can't remember his name, but a solid kick from him. Um, we've seen with these NFL kickers lately, they're so shaky, especially on situations like this where it's a game-winner opportunity. That's when they're really shaky, and I mean, you can't blame them. All the pressure's on you. Everyone's watching you, but yeah, he put it right through the upright, so uh, congratulations. I want to get his name here. Uh, well, I can't seem to find it, but whatever. But yeah, Bengals kicker, good job. You put that right through the uprights. Um, I believe I was seeing some stats where he's always been pretty good in these kind of pressure situations, so looks like the Bengals got, got themselves a good kicker, which in this day's NFL is a pretty solid thing to have, so. Good thing for the Bengals. Bengals fans out there, they are 5-3, and three, and now they're uh, leading the division with... Well, what did Baltimore do today? 
I should probably figure that out. Um, the Ravens actually lost today. I don't, I don't know why I didn't see this, but they lost 36-21 to with the Ravens. So I think the Bengals are sitting atop the division by themselves here. Let me look at that as well. Yes, uh, actually the Steelers are interesting. 4-2-1 and one have a better win percentage than 5-3. and three. I guess that makes sense, but yes, yeah, so the Steelers are sitting atop the division with a .643 win percentage, and the Bengals at 5-3 and three are in second with a .625 win percentage. All this stuff gets so complicated with the tie that the Steelers and the Browns had at the beginning of the year. Uh, the Ravens lost today to the Panthers. They're sitting at 4-4, four and four, and the Browns are at 2-5-1 and one with a loss today to the Steelers, .313 win percentage. Um, so the final thing I wanted to jump into, football-wise at least, was the Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, let me pull up the score to their game here. Um, they had a really solid game yesterday um, in terms of at least they won and still in the race here for the AAC. This might take me all day. Who knows? Yeah, the Bearcats, bow. I believe they beat SMU. I think it was 26-20. to 20. I don't even need to pull it up. I think I remember this game pretty well. I didn't get to watch it, but I saw the big highlight. Obviously, was that the Bearcats were down twenty to seventeen late in the game. They got a game. They got a game tying drive towards the end. They made a decently long field goal for college kickers. We know how shaky college kickers can be at times. So they got themselves a game tying field goal at the end of regulation to make it twenty to twenty. And then on one of the first few plays of SMU's uh, overtime drive, they threw a pick six to Cincinnati. Um, the game was in SMU, but still scenes. I'm sure all of the all the city of Cincinnati was extremely excited to see that. I can't count myself a Bearcat fan myself, but I know a few people who are. They were really excited about it. A uh, big win for Cincinnati. I believe they're now sitting at 7-1 and uh, not tied for the AAC division, not tied for the conference lead in the AAC, but they're still, they still control their own destiny. If they win out from here, they will definitely win the AAC, or they'll go, definitely go to the AAC championship game at least. But the big thing for them is that they play South Florida and UCF in their final two weeks. Those are the two other best teams in the AAC. And uh, if they can find a way to beat them, I don't think they will. But if they can, then they'll be headed to the AAC championship game. And this team sitting at 7-1 will pro- maybe be ranked. Um, I'm not really sure if they are ranked. They were obviously ranked before they lost last weekend to Temple. But yeah, with that win, they could be ranked. And they're, they're sitting right on that bubble of the 25 line probably. And it'll be interesting to see if they can keep winning. If they do, then anything's possible. They could maybe sneak into their New Year's Six Bowl. I don't think they'll win out because I just don't think they're as good as South Florida and UCF and a Houston team if they have to play them in the AAC Championship game. But yeah, Cincinnati Bearcats are looking solid, even if they don't get to that AAC Championship game. They're 7-1 right now. They're having a great season. I can't remember for sure, but last season was pretty rough for them for what I remember. A 3-4 or win season under Luke Fickle in his first year, but he's turned it around this year, gotten some new recruits, and they're looking solid, and I'm excited to see. I'm not a huge Bearcat fan, I just said that, but I'm still excited to see what this team can do. I'm starting to become a little bit of a fan, at least, just doing this podcast, and I like to root for teams in uh, Ohio in general. Yeah, so that pretty much does it for the uh, football recap. The Browns lost, of course, to the Steelers. The Bengals beat Tampa Bay late with a uh, game-winning field goal. The Bearcats won a thriller. Um, pick six in overtime to win the game. Um, so now I want to jump into the Cavaliers. This is a pretty interesting topic. Um, the Cavaliers have played two games since my last podcast Thursday night. They played two good teams, and they played them both close, but at the end of the day, they lose both games. They went to Detroit um, after playing on Wednesday night, so it was a back-to-back. Um, they lost 110-103 to, to the Detroit Pistons, and then... 
Uh, both of these games, by the way, Kevin Love did not play. Interesting note. I believe sore foot. Nothing major. He should be back uh, Tuesday night against the Hawks at home. And then the Cavs, they play... They played uh, last night and lost 119 to 107 in the queue to the uh, Indiana Pacers. So yeah, they were sitting at 0-6 this morning, which prompted the Cavaliers to fire Ty Lue. And that leaves us with the question of uh, what do we make of Ty Lue's time in Cleveland? Uh, Ty Lue was an assistant from 2014 for the Cavs to 2016, where midway through the season, David Blatt was fired and then Ty Lue took over. Obviously in his rookie year, coming in in the middle of the year, he wins a championship with Cleveland. Of course, us Cavs fans know that Tyron Lue did not have a ton to do with this. Maybe he did some some locker room. He maybe had some help in the locker room and meshing this team. But for the most part, we know this is due to LeBron James. But he still was the uh, head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers when they won a championship. When Cleveland was delivered its first championship since 1947 when the Indians won the World Series. So that's a big moment for Cleveland. He was a part of that. Um, so I think that's a big part of what we should remember of Ty Lue. As much as we remember his funny face with his mouth wide open, looking like he doesn't know what the hell's going on, as much as we remember what happened in the 2017 and 2018 NBA Finals where the team just looked abysmal, and uh, as much as we'll remember him starting this year 0-6 without LeBron, as much as we'll remember him being without LeBron on the team in general really bad, um, you still got to remember that he won. He was the head coach at least, when Cleveland was delivered its first championship since 1947. So that's a big deal. Um, so for the most part, I think it's a positive a positive time in Cleveland. But yeah, of course it ends. It doesn't end well. That's, that's usually the story with head coaches. They'll always fire you, they say, no matter what you do. Usually you, you never go out on your own terms for the most part, usually. Occasionally you do, occasionally, but for the most part, usually not. Um, so Larry Drew takes over the team. He's been an assistant for the Cavs for four years. Uh, from 2014-2018. So obviously he's been an assistant coach for all four years that we've went to the NBA Finals, four straight years. Um, he was actually interim coach uh, last year when Ty Lue went out. I think he went absent for about nine games due to ang- uh, severe anxiety and stress and stuff like that. And Larry Drew took over the team for nine games. He went 8-1 and one in Ty Lue's absence. I actually remember this because a lot of people were calling for Ty Lue to be fired and just give Larry uh, Drew the job, so... He did well. Obviously, there was LeBron on the team, and this was a really good team. So a lot of people could lead this team to 8-1 in that stretch. But still, it says a lot about his leadership. He led this team to 8-1 and with the head coach out, coming in as, a, as an interim head coach. And now he's doing the same thing here. He's coming in as the interim head coach. I don't know a ton about the situation. I don't know if he's coming in for the rest of the season. I don't know if uh, he's just coming in until they find a head coach. I don't know if they're planning on you know maybe one day making him the permanent head coach. So... That'll be something to look forward to. And then the final note I have pretty much is, will this spark a fire in this team? The Cavs, uh, coming up this week, they play at home in the queue against the Hawks. That is definitely a winnable game. We've already lost to the Hawks this year, 133-111 to in the queue as well. But it's still the Hawks. It's still a very winnable game. A lot of that loss was due to, um, it's due to I cannot remember his name right now, which is uh, pretty bad. But it was due to Trey Young, sorry, going off. Trey Young in that game scored... Uh, 35 points. He had himself a really good game. Cavs lost that game, but this is definitely a game they can win Tuesday night in the queue. Uh, 7 p.m. Then on Thursday, they play in the queue again against the Nuggets. That's another winnable game, Uh, just mostly because it's at home and they got a day's rest. But Nuggets have been a solid team this year. The Nuggets right now are sitting at, let's see what they have they done so far this year. A win, 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 win. 
Uh, they lost last night to the Lakers, or a few nights ago to the Lakers, but they are sitting at 4-1. and one. They won four straight before they lost to the Lakers. 4-1, and one, but Cavs will most likely lose that game, but I still say it's a winnable game. And then Saturday night, uh, six days from now, they go to Charlotte to play the Hornets and uh, 7 p.m. tip-off. So those will be the three games they play this week. Uh, Larry Drew, will he spark a fire into this team? We see a lot of times when these interim head coaches come in, kind of sparks a fire, and you can win a few, two or three games and then usually level off back to where you were because that's just the way it works. But it'll be interesting to see if they can maybe get a few wins just from the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but I guess the interim head coach effect is what we'll title it here on this podcast. Um, so yeah, that'll pretty much do it for the Cavs. Obviously, they are sitting at 0-6. They have three games coming up this week. Ty Lue is fired. Uh, Larry Drew takes Ty. Yeah, Ty Lue is fired, and Larry Drew takes over. Um, so finally, we'll jump into the Columbus professional sports teams. Um, that's one thing I'll say: the high state football was not in action this weekend. High state basketball is not in action, but they're uh, coming up. I believe their season starts this week or next week. So that's coming up. That'll be something I'll be able to talk about on this podcast, which I'm excited for. Obviously, we know Ohio State basketball isn't probably going to be there yet this year. They have a really great recruiting class coming in this year. They'll be young, and they have a great recruiting class coming in next year. I think next year Ohio State will be Ohio State basketball will be contending for a national championship. But I'll be excited to still talk about Ohio State basketball this year. I think they'll still be a, um, I think they'll still be going to March Madness and be a tournament team, which will be fun to cover and talk about. But yeah, so the professional teams were both in action, um, and they were actually a very encouraging thing over what was not a great weekend for me, um, being a Cleveland and Columbus sports fan. If you're a Cincinnati sports fan, your Bearcats won, and your uh, Bengals won. If you were a Cleveland sports fan, for the most part, like I am, the Browns and the Cavaliers, the Cavaliers lost two games, as we just talked about, the Browns lost. Uh, but And if you're a Columbus sports fan, it was a great weekend, so pretty much Cleveland was the only one this weekend in Ohio, at least, to have a pretty down weekend. Bengals won both their games. And the Columbus, it was another good weekend. Uh, the Blue Jackets played two games this weekend. They um, they won both of those games. They beat the Blues on Thursday night in St. Louis, 7-4. to and was a little bit of a shootout there. Another shootout here last night in uh, Nationwide Arena. The Blue Jackets won 5-4. Uh, my biggest takeaway from that is Panarin gets the OT winner. Um, that's a encouraging sign to see. Obviously, I was talking a little bit about when they lost back-to-back games against the Blackhawks and the Coyotes, that um, two teams that they shouldn't be losing to, and both of those games were at home. I was talking a lot about, uh, is this team, you know, is there locker room issues because Panarin is not signing his contract and neither is Bobrowski? Um, is there maybe, you know, locker room issues there that's causing these kind of losses that are kind of inexplicable losses They shouldn't be happening, they shouldn't be losing to those teams, so... It's encouraging to see them win back-to-back games. One in St. Louis, where they get seven goals. That's good to see. This is a time we've been nervous. This is a team at times we've been nervous about scoring. And then obviously they win five-four. Panarin gets that OT winner. I believe it's the second time he's gotten OT winner this season. So that's pretty cool. Um, it's good to see that Panarin, even though he's probably leaving Columbus this off-season, is still fighting for this team and still fighting for a contract more so than anything. But still good to see. Um, Maybe things might be rough for the Blue Jackets next year, but at least for this year we got Brabowski and we got Panarin on this team, so hopefully we take advantage of that and we have a good season. Uh, the final thing I wanted to get into was what was probably the best part of my weekend, sports-wise at least. I had a busy weekend family-wise and a lot of family in town, but sports it was a little bit depressing because the Browns are, and Cavs are probably my favorite two teams that I've talked about that I'm talking about today. High State football wasn't in action, and both of them lost, and then 
but the crew, the crew made my weekend a lot better. The crew, um, about two hours or so before I recorded this podcast, clinched a playoff spot. That was good to see. Uh, one thing I forgot to do was to pull up the NFL, the MLS playoff format here. MLS playoffs. Let's see what we got here. Pulling up an article from Oregon Live. Interesting. Maybe I should just pull up the MLS uh, schedule here. Sorry, I'm never prepared. I should probably be more prepared. MLS standings. All right, here we go. So let's just run through the MLS standings. In the Eastern Conference, we have the New York Red Bulls. They actually won the Supporters' Shield, so congratulations to the New York Red Bulls for winning that. Um, That means they accumulated the most points throughout the season, uh, before the playoffs, uh, throughout the regular season, I guess, would be the best way to say that. Atlanta United in second. That means first and second get uh, buys. Then three plays six and four plays five. Uh, Three is NYCFC. They will be at home playing Philadelphia in a knockout round. And then DC United will be at home playing the Columbus Crew in a knockout round. So I I don't know when these games are. I believe the times are probably already set. I should probably look it up. But yeah, this game I believe will probably be played next weekend if I had to guess. I'm not positive. But yeah, Columbus Crew, they won today 3-2 against Minnesota United. They actually didn't end up needing to win because the Montreal Impact... uh, Lost to New England, so thank you, New England. Even though we didn't need it, in the end, we got our win against uh, Minnesota United. Still thank you, New England, for winning a game you really didn't need to. Montreal lost, but uh, Columbus gets a win, which puts them in the fifth spot. They jumped Philadelphia, who lost today. That means they'll be going on the road to take on D.C. United, and it was going to be a tough game. I was kind of hoping that towards the end of the game that the Columbus would blow their lead so they would drop to the sixth spot and have to play NYCFC. Both games would have been tough, but yeah, DC United might just be a little bit tougher with the Wayne Rooney effect. Wayne Rooney that plays for DC United, he's been really solid for DC United, um, and they're probably the hottest team in MLS right now. At least one of them. Um, they were in last place in the MLS by a lot, and then he came in, and now they've bolted all the way up to the playoffs. They even made the playoffs by five points pretty comfortably, and they even made the four seed, which means they get a home playoff game, their first game. So yeah, that's going to be a tough game playing with the hottest team in the MLS and playing a team that has probably one of the best three to five players in MLS and Wayne Rooney. So that's going to be a tough matchup for uh, the Columbus crew, but it's better than not making the playoffs, obviously. And this team's going to be probably vaulted and excited about everything that's happening with saved the crew uh, with the D there on the end, saved the crew. So looks like that should happen. I don't have any up- more updates with save the crew. Still the same situation. Still just waiting to hear it on the final word. Hopefully Jimmy Haslam will complete the deal here soon and, we can really celebrate it. We celebrated it a few weeks ago, but then hopefully we can get that final celebration in. But yeah, I think the crew could be bolted on by the fact that with all that Save the Crew stuff and all the fans behind them and all that stuff, if not, you know, at least they made the playoffs and at least we're keeping the team most likely here next year. And then that's that's the most important thing. As much as I really want this team to go far in the playoffs, I'm just happy they'll probably be here next year and for the rest of a rest of forever, hopefully. So yeah, that's pretty much all I've got for Ohio vs. the World today. It took, didn't take as long as I thought it would. Um, I kind of want to add a little bit of stuff, so why not just go through the NFL scores and college football big scores. Um, the Dolphins lost to the Texans in Thursday Night Football. The Eagles this morning beat the Jaguars in London. I talked about the Panthers beating the Ravens. The Chiefs beat the Broncos 30-23 to at home in what is a closer game than I would have expected. Obviously, we talked about the Browns losing. The Seahawks won 28-14 over the Lions, and a scoreline I'm pretty surprised about. I thought the Lions would pull that one out. As we talked about, the Bengals beat the Buccaneers 37-34. to 
The Bears won 24-10 over the Jets. The Giants went. Uh, sorry, the Redskins beat the Giants 20-13. That game played today. I feel like the Redskins and Giants just played each other like the other day, so that's a little bit weird to look at. Um, 42. The Colts beat the Raiders 42-28. Um, rip to me because I had the Colts defense and thought the Raiders wouldn't score that many points, just losing Amari Cooper and all that stuff. But they scored 28 points, but the Colts get the win 42-28. Um, the Cardinals and what is an awful game, went 18-15 over the 49ers. The Rams beat the Packers 29-27. That's a game I might want to watch the highlights to. Um, and the Vikings and Saints are tied up 7-7 right now in Sunday night football. And then the Patriots play the Bills tomorrow in Monday night football. Spoiler alert for the future, the Patriots are going to win this game um, unless something crazy happens. And then finally, let's talk a little bit about NCAA football scores here. Uh, a lot of good games yesterday. Yesterday was a fun day for me. I enjoyed just sitting back and watching some college football. I had a pretty busy day, but I still got to catch a good amount. Iowa State beat Texas Tech. Iowa State's now 4-3. and three. Um, Them and uh, Purdue are probably some of the best three lost teams in the country. I really like what I've seen from Iowa State, and there's a lot of speculation right now that Matt Campbell might actually become the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes next year. I don't think that's going to happen, but there's speculation about it. This is an Ohio sports podcast with uh, Buckeyes being one of the main teams for sure in Ohio, so I guess it's something I could bring up. Matt Campbell, coach of Iowa State, he's really led that team to be a pretty solid team. There's a lot of speculation that he could become the head coach next year, so that's something to throw out there. But yeah, they beat Texas Tech 40-13. to Uh Actually, interesting scoreline here for Ohio State fans. Michigan State, a team we play in two weeks, um, beat Purdue, a team we lost to last week. Uh, Michigan State wins this game 23-13 over Purdue in East Lansing. That was a pretty solid game, defensive battle. Um, There's not much to take away if you're an Ohio State fan because you play both of these teams. So either way, it doesn't matter too much who wins. Uh, Michigan State wins 23-13. Nebraska wins 45-9. I'll just bring that one up there because Ohio State plays Nebraska next week. They beat Bethune-Cookman, an FCS school. Um, They rescheduled this game because they wanted to get as many wins as they could this year since uh, this was a game that got canceled due to lightning or something like that, and they rescheduled it because they realized how bad they were and wanted to get a few more wins in there. But, yes, Nebraska gets one more win before they play the Buckeyes next week uh, this Saturday. What could possibly be a more interesting game than a lot of people think about, but we'll dive deeper into that in my next podcast. Um, Army beats Eastern Michigan, uh, 37-22. Army 6-2 this year. They're really solid. Navy's pretty bad this year, so that Army versus Navy game could... Army versus Navy rivalry in general is starting to flip a little bit to Army. They've won the last two matchups. Uh, Clemson. Wow, Clemson beats Florida State 59-10. I already knew that, but I'm still taking it back just a little bit just looking at it. Boy, how good does Clemson look under Trevor Lawrence? They look like a whole different team. They look so much better than they looked under... I think I believe Kelly Bryant was his name. Um... We've got TCU. Oh, this is definitely another one for high State fans. Uh, TCU loses to Kansas 27-26. to Man, a lot of a lot of scorelines are just not going Ohio State's way lately. TCU's been losing a lot. Now they lose to Kansas. Uh, Penn State, they actually beat Iowa, which is good to see. Um, yeah, just a lot of things not going Ohio State's way, no doubt. And then obviously Purdue lost two. We lost two last week. Um Florida loses 36-17 to to Georgia. Big win for Georgia. They really needed that. They've gotten their first quality win on the season. I've talked a lot about on this my other podcast, you guys on Mike, how 
Georgia hasn't played anyone besides LSU, and they got blown out by LSU, so they got a lot to prove. They proved it this weekend against a good Florida team, winning 36-17. to um, Penn State beats Iowa 30-24. to I just talked about that. I guess that's a good win for Buckeye fans. I, I really want to see Iowa in the Big Ten West Championship just because I kind of have a affection for Iowa. I don't really know why. I just like the old school football they play, but still good to see Penn State win since we beat Penn State earlier in the year. So they're at 6-2. and two. They're still in the... Still in the Big Ten race after getting that win. Uh, Kentucky beats Missouri 15-14. to This game was crazy. Kentucky was down 5 uh, with the ball late, and they scored in the last play of the game a touchdown to win by 1. 15-14, that keeps their uh, playoff hopes alive. It also keeps their SEC East hopes alive. They play Georgia next week in what is going to be probably an SEC East, most likely some, uh, an SEC championship game semifinal. Um, Texas A&M lost to Mississippi State 28-13. That scoreline kind of blows my mind a little bit. Washington State beat Stanford 41-38. to I believe they were down in this game, came back to win. That's uh, back-to-back wins that are good for them. They beat Stanford this week, uh, 41-38. Um, Tennessee lost, and what was a heartbreaker for me as a Tennessee fan, they lost 27-24 to to South Carolina. They were leading like 24, 21-9 at one point. They kind of blew it, lost 27-24 to South Carolina. Uh, Texas lost last night, number six Texas. I guess that's good for us Buckeye fans because Texas would have won out. There's a good chance that they would have probably been above us if we had won out. They lose uh, 35 to 38 in Stillwater to Oklahoma State. Good win for Oklahoma State. They've gone through some woes this year, losing some, losing badly to some not that great teams. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that will do it pretty much. Um, Georgia Tech, actually, interesting scoreline, beats Virginia Tech 49-28. They're 4-4. Four and four. They blow out a decent Virginia Tech team. But, yeah, that will pretty much do it for this podcast. I'm glad I got to read up some NFL and college football scorelines. Kind of reminds me of two guys, one mic, where we do a lot of that. But, yeah, overall, the Cavs lost uh, two games, fired Ty Lue. The Blue Jackets won both the games they played. The crew clinched a playoff spot. The Cincinnati Bearcats are now sitting at 7-1 after beating SMU in overtime yesterday. The Browns uh, sadly lost to the Steelers today. They're pretty much out of the playoff race. I think Hugh Jackson should be fired. And the Bengals got a big win today. They're now sitting at 5-3, very much in the division race, very much in the playoff race. Looking really solid. They beat Tampa Bay 37-34. Overall, it was a much better sports weekend for Ohio sports than it was last weekend. It still wasn't a great weekend for me because out of all the teams that played this weekend, uh, everyone played besides the Reds, Indians, and Ohio State football and basketball. The ones I probably care the most about out of everyone that played this weekend is probably the Browns and the Cavaliers, and those were the two teams that lost this weekend. I still love my Blue Jackets and crew, and they won. That's great, but still a pretty depressing weekend for me because the Cavaliers lost and the Browns lost, but I'm really glad the, the crew uh, wrapped up that playoff spot. I'm glad the Blue Jackets won, so... A much better weekend than last week when every single Ohio sports team lost every single game they played. So a much better weekend this weekend. Yeah, Um, that will do it for Ohio vs. the World. Thank you for listening, and uh, have a good day.